Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we begin, without sounding pathetic and desperate lots of people have been listening to this podcast which is great and thank you so much everybody but if you could do two things if you could subscribe that would be amazing and if you want to leave a rating you know some stars preferably not not bad stars good stars nice stars that would be great and it also means the word word gets out Hello, this is Owen Jones. It is the Cheerful Election Podcast, a ray of sunshine and optimism in this turbulent time through which we are living. Now, I am joined by a glass of red wine. It's beefsteak, so you ask, if you're asking, nine ninety nine. Two very hyperactive cats, but the, the centrepiece, the tour de force, is my very good friend, the writer, general just hurricane of amazingness hurricanes do a lot of damage i've realized <laughs> people get killed by hurricanes it's ellie mayo hagan ellie thank you for having me i thought you, when you said writer i honestly thought you were gonna say right honorable yeah you <laughs> are yeah the, order order <laughs> the right honorable ellie mayo hagan wants to be hurt and she will be hurt <laughs> So, and um, I think this is kind of weird for us because me and Ellie did a podcast called Agitpod, um, which we just abandoned because we're really incompetent, shambolic human beings. And, and uh, you know, I, there, was, there was all the chemistry there. It just feels that we, and we still get people complaining that it's not a thing anymore. And do you feel this, that I've kind of cheated on you? I do. I do actually. I do feel like that. Yeah. I mean, I won't say it doesn't hurt. It hurts, but I'm trying to make the best of it. Every day, just it just gnaws at you. I'm here. So um, there's a there's a general election on at the moment. Is there? Yeah, there is actually. Yeah, there is an election going on. <laughs> Great, I love it. Um, love one of them. So we're going to talk. I just don't think we have enough of them. Certainly <laughs> a dearth of uh, votes <laughs> at the moment. So we're both very clear about where we stand in this election. We'd like Labour to win, but we've got our own thoughts about what should happen, what their strategy should be. Now. Uh, tonight, there is going to be the big leaders debate between Boris Johnson. Sorry, the Perfeffel. What's his name again? His full name, I, Boris Johnson. I, I mean, I don't know. What is it? Boris. Boris. It's, I think, I'm going to look Whittington, it up. Whittington, Jennifer look, Curie. I'm going to look it up. On, Johnson. I'm going to look it up on Wikipedia. Can it's, I just say, while you're looking that up, I yeah. will not have a bad word said against Jennifer Curie. She's the best thing to happen to this election since free broadband. I started yesterday's podcast by quoting her famous for like tripping over dicks um, quote. If people don't know what that is, just listen back to that because it sounds weird out of context. But she was, there was a big moment yesterday on... Good Morning Britain, when Lorraine did kind of rinse her a bit. Yeah. I so what happened was is 
uh, Jenna, uh, she went on uh, Jennifer Curie and uh, Lorraine said, what the, What was the point of that? You didn't say anything. Right. Anyway, Boris Johnson's called Alexander. Are you sure you're not confusing that with the Prince Andrew interview? Yeah. Why are you doing this interview? Why do it? <laughs> because in the establishment, uh, in which obviously he's at the ep- epicentre, uh, if you're born into that amount of privilege, you genuinely, I think, lose any self-awareness or self-perception. I mean, it's just, it's really chilling. I mean, it's absolutely disturbing. Uh, which, you know, and it does, by the way, it's one rule for those at the top, one rule for everybody else, isn't it? Because if somebody who wasn't a member of the royal family had behaved in the way he had, they would now be a public disgrace driven out of public life. Anyway, on an unrelated note, yes, Boris Johnson. Uh, it's Alexander Completely Boris, unrelated the to, the, to the idea of being privileged and completely well, indeed, lacking in self-awareness. Shifting the conversation. <laughs> um, so what we, we, the leaders debate is going to take place, the biggie between Boris Johnson and Jamie Corbyn. Now, some commentators, Stephen Bush amongst them from the East Statesman, are kind of thinking, what on earth is Boris Johnson thinking? Why has he agreed to this? The odds are stacked in his favour. Uh, Jamie Corbyn does very well in, in these leaders' debates traditionally. And given he's got all the advantages in the polls at the moment, why risk it? But that's not a time for Labour to be complacent. The polling, I know polling, caveats, etc., Um the polling is still a big mountain for Labour to climb if they want to kick the Tories out of government and stop hard Brexit and do the sort of exciting policies we're hearing about at the moment. So Jamie Corbyn's got to, he's got to perform in this leaders' debate. And what we're going to do now is some leaders' debate prep for Jamie Corbyn because let's face it, he'll be definitely spending today listening to this podcast for advice. <laughs> Well, now he knows I want it. Um, He'll be tuning in. He's blacklisted me otherwise. So, uh, no, so it'll be, let's think about this. So what do you think? I want to hear some kind of, what do you want to get out of this debate, do you think? What what are your tips for how how Jamie Corbyn should approach this? Well, firstly, on Boris Johnson, I I haven't read Stephen Bush's article, so I'm not going to disagree with any of the points in it. I wouldn't know how to. But um, Do your homework next time before you appear on my podcast. I know, I know. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Um... But I would say that uh, it's important when you're a politician, I think, to always remember that the journalist or the, the TV studio is just a conduit to speak to your audience. So I think that Boris Johnson just needs to land a few memorable lines and and then hit job done, basically. It doesn't really matter if he doesn't do as well as Jeremy Corbyn as long as he kind of lands a few key lines because they're clearly like, their campaign is clearly get Brexit done, hospitals, schools, police, that's their campaign. So mm-hmm. if he nails those lines, mm-hmm. that's kind of all he needs to do. Yeah, I think you're right to say that Labour shouldn't be complacent. I actually think, I mean, me and you both have seen Jeremy Corbyn speak more times than we've had hot dinners. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't move for Jeremy Corbyn speeches. And I actually think... I've introduced some of his speeches. Yeah, I actually think his best performance mm-hmm. in terms of hustings that I've and like debates that I've ever seen him do was in the 2015 leadership election, particularly early on when there was no indication that he was winning. Mm-hmm. He basically had the vibe of someone who, like, didn't give a shit. And I don't mean that in, like, that he didn't give a shit about what he believed, because one thing we know about Jeremy is that he loves a moral principle. Um, it's more that he, like, he was totally unfazed by the other candidates. You know, they were very kind of, bah, bah, I am here, and it is clear, la, la, la. And, you know, often would say things like... They speak very robotically. Yeah. They stick to their core lines in a way that was very inauthentic and also didn't speak to the mood of where the Labour selectorate was. Yeah, and Jeremy came across in those hustings like a kind of truth-teller and like somebody who 
embodied the feelings of his audience and also he had this kind of breeziness. His sort of disposition was kind of relaxed and breezy. And I think because at that point he wasn't trying to become leader of the Labour Party, he was trying to put forward a set of political arguments that he felt needed to be heard. So for me, he needs to channel that again this time. He needs to um, articulate positions that he knows that he shares with the British public. And he also needs to come across as relaxed, easygoing and unfazed by Boris Johnson's bluster because we know that Boris Johnson will try to wind him up with, you know, calling him a communist and whatever. So, And I, I, and I think that communist doesn't land. I mean, in the last election, they went full-blown kind of terrorists, kind of nationalise your mom, went to Butlins with Al-Qaeda or whatever. <laughs> and it didn't... It didn't. It, people thought it was over the top. It rallied Corbyn's base. It, it made people who are kind of in the middle go, this is really quite hysterical. And it made... All right, Kia, that's my cat, just throwing his own two cents in for... This was actually, that was the secret to how Jamie wins the debates. We just can't translate it. (laughs) Anyway, um, but also, and it it made, it whipped up the Tory base to be even more anti-Corbyn, but I mean, they were never going to vote for Labour anyway. And and I think that's, there's that. And, you know, Michael Gove, a perceptive comment by Michael Gove, (laughs) <laughs> alarm sound an <laughs> alert there um he's you know he suggests that we stop talking about venezuela because people don't understand what the hell they're talking about there i mean in terms of just superficial stuff disposition stuff when jeremy's in kind of uh jeremy corbyn i hate when people just we, I, we, we should ban people calling boris johnson boris and we're going to apply them all consistently when jeremy corbyn when, when you know when you don't he, have to apply the rule consistency jeremy corbyn is good and boris johnson is very very bad that, so. this this is true but <laughs> it just i just i get called a hypocrite enough uh for very spurious reasons like living in a house or something right so so what, you don't what, even live in a house on that basis <laughs> so i think you know, when he's Zen, optimistic, hopeful Jeremy, that's what he needs to do. Hopeful, optimistic, man of the people, take on the elites. His authenticity about he's the sort of guy who lies awake at night worrying about homelessness, all the rest of it. When he goes grouchy and he does sometimes get, I mean, look, me and you don't, aren't being, you know, we don't have paps outside our house uh, yelling at us all the time. We don't have. Don't you? Uh, not uh, as of late. They've cleared off. Um, it's cold. <laughs> you just have cats, not paps. Just ca- cats ye- yelling at us. Hashtag cats, not paps. But they, we, you know, he's had a media firestorm, but when he's, when he's grouchy, you know, when he's like, let me finish, it doesn't, doesn't come across well. On the substance though, so the first half of the programme is going to be Brexit. And what Boris Johnson will try and do is say, I've got a clear cut through line, get Brexit done. People are exhausted and fed up with Brexit. If you talk to people on the doorstep, leave or remain. They are fed up. They just want this to go away. They want to talk about something else. And they, he's hoping that will cut through. And he's hoping that he can betray Jamie Corbyn's as kind of indecipherable and complex. And that's been aided not just by the right, but by some so-called centrists. So I think what he needs to do there is he needs to go a bit populist. He needs to go, we are going to let the people decide, not the politicians, because the policies just have a referendum with the customs union Brexit and remain. That's very straightforward. Uh, but he needs to go, the, the politicians have failed you. We're going to let you, we're going to empower you. You're going to make this decision. This is out of our hands now. I think he needs to go full kind of, you know, only the people can solve this. Only you can solve this. This is in your hands. We're the only party who's going to let you do this. The Lib Dems want to cancel it and pretend it never happened, which is an establishment stitch up. The Tories, 
it, it isn't really get Brexit done because you're going to be bogged down in trade negotiations and the, for years and the future relationship. And the key thing he needs to hammer is the NHS will be on the table, on the slab for Donald Trump. What do you think? Do you think that kind of would work? I think that Brexit has been an absolute shit show for the last three years. And I has think it? That, um, I think that That's the, the sort one, of insight I wanted you for. Um, uh, fuck you, Owen <laughs> Jones. And I think um, the one thing that we can all agree on as a nation, whether leave or remain, is that the last three years has been a total clusterfuck. There's a very simple reason for that, which is that there was not a plan about the aftermath of leaving the EU. We know that the Conservative government at the time refused to make one, and we know that the Leave campaign, of which Boris Johnson was a key part, refused to make one. So whichever way you slice it, the fault um, lies with the Conservatives and with Boris Johnson. So I think what we need to say is it's been a complete shit show for the last three years because there was no plan and Labour is now sorting out the Tories' mess by having a plan. We have a plan, let's put it to the people and they can decide how we move forward as a country. But I think it needs to be clear that it never had to be like this. Brexit did not need to be the complete mess that it is. It's been, it's a mess because of the decisions made by conservative politicians to mishandle it in the most catastrophic way possible. So now Labour needs to come in with its plan and clear up their mess. I totally agree. So, but the problem is, I mean, let's be honest, we know on the one side, you've got people who, I don't know, let's think Canterbury, let's think Kensington, two seats that voted remain quite decisively, which Labour managed to win in 2017 for the first time ever. And then it won seats like Peterborough, where, you know, which which tended to le- to leave. Now, this is a simplification because most Labour voters in leave seats, as I keep saying over and over again, voted for Remain. But that that's a danger, isn't it, in, in those seats as well, that you get some who are angry about Remain, uh, about, you know, with Labour saying, unless Labour just go full stop Brexit, we're not interested, we're going to vote Lib Dem. And then you've got some Labour Leave voters are going, hold on a minute, we had a vote, we said Leave, and now you're trying to stop that. And that kind of straddling that divide because Labour's electoral coalition is unique in that sense because it contains those two groups. I mean, how how is he going to contain that? Because I think the danger, the problem with what's happened in terms of, you know, the, the Jeremy Corbyn's leader ratings, the way he's often been portrayed as weak, very unfairly. But the reason it's been it's been successful is because Labour have offered tried to straddle its leave and remain elements of its coalition, which means a compromise. And and if you're offering a, a compromise rather than go full Brexit now, the end, or cancel Brexit altogether, it can be construed as such, even though it's actually just an attempt to bring the country together. So how does he keep both leavers and remainers, do you think, in this debate in a way that in, in, you know, places where Labour needs to win and keep its seats, it doesn't end up with the Tories coming through the middle. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I think it, they can only do what they're doing, which is to negotiate the best deal possible and then and then put it to a vote. I mean, that is all that they can do. And then they just have to accept the decision that is made by the public at the end no, of the day. But how does he present that, do you think, in the debate? How does he, get, how does he, how does he kind of look in the eyes of... Uh, a Labour leaver in Doncaster and a Labour Remainer in Canterbury and say there's a route for you in in terms of your a, a Labour government is, is preferable to what will happen otherwise? I guess if I was speaking to this um, apocryphal Labour leave voter in Doncaster, 
I would say you voted leave, but you didn't vote for this. Mm -hmm. You didn't vote for three years of nonsense. You didn't vote for three years of limbo. Um, And the reason that we're in this situation is because at every possible turn, the Conservatives have put their own interest above the interests of the country. But we have a plan. We have a plan that's good for the country. Mm. We're going to put it to the public. And you have the absolute right to say you want to stick with that plan and leave the European Union in that vote. That's what I would say. And I would I would say to a Remainer the same thing, but I would say, you know, you wanted to stay in the EU, you still want to stay in the EU, and you have the absolute right to vote against our plan to leave the EU. And if you do, we will respect that and we will remain in the EU. And you also have the right to campaign to try and win over that crucial 2%, 4%, whatever amount of people it was who voted leave last time and convinced them to your way of thinking and if you manage that and remain gets a majority we will stay in the eu but either way we will move this country forward from the mess of the last three years that's how i would phrase it because that's the thing because a lot of candidates labor candidates will tell you actually brexit isn't often coming up at all or it's coming up less than you'd expect certainly and also labor leave voters the evidence shows that actually even though that's what they voted for. They, it, for them, it's less of a hill to die on than it is for a Tory leaver who's kind of this is my red line Brexit or you know. I mean, there was a poll of Tory members which said that Tory members would prefer the reunification of Ireland and Scottish independence and a significant hit to the economy than Brexit not happening. And 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 for Labour leavers, there's more of a kind of well, actually, if you talk about do you want the NHS to be in the hands of the Tories and Donald Trump? Do you want uh, you know, the people who did all the cuts, you know, set the house on fire, then the arsonist claims to be the person to put out the fire. Do, do you want that? Do you want, you know, do you want things like your kids to be punished with tuition fees if they go to university? Do you, do you, do you think people should have a genuine living wage? That wins people back, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, for one reason or another, I've ended up in focus groups over the last year with um, with uh, leavers, conservative leavers, conservative, I'm throwing Labour leavers, Labour remainers, and um yeah, conservative leavers are, they'll talk much more about sovereignty, about sort of independence or happiness. Uh, Labour remainers are very upset about Brexit, generally speaking. And Labour leavers um, are more ambivalent. They're not particularly wed to it as an issue. Um, and they're very anxious about the uncertainty and they'd like the uncertainty to end. And I think they can be convinced. But I think the reason why this you would think from reading the news and um, from listening to journalists that the only thing anyone cares about is Brexit is because the only thing that they care about is Brexit. Mm-hmm. And the reason the only thing they care about is Brexit is because it allows them to do their favourite thing, which is to be like the gossips of the court and mm-hmm. to treat the whole thing like a parlour game, like this MP said this and this MP made that move against this and this amendment's happening. You know, it's all kind of intrigue and gossip, which mm-hmm. is what journalists are are obsessed with and actually I think when you leave Westminster and you go around the country I think people are just getting on with their lives which is kind of obvious and Labour needs to understand what people are thinking about and what they're worrying about and speak to that. So the other part of the debate will be about domestic issues. The Labour manifesto is coming out on Thursday. We don't know what's in it. Both me and Ellie are, are, are mates with people who know what's in it and they are not telling us anything. Uh, but they they kind of got this beaming look on their face. So they're obviously, you know, excited about it. Um, but in terms of the leaders debate, 
they'll I mean and it's interesting because actually unlike last time when the Tories were still running on a full-blown austerity etc etc Labour making unaffordable promises even though the Tories didn't have a single pound sign in their manifesto and Labour cost of their manifesto this time round the Tories took them out turning on the taps and there are dangers with that because some Labour people are kind of you know the way they kind of talk about it is kind of it drown it it, it makes us harder for our announcements to land because everyone's talking about spending and therefore it's harder to distinguish. But it also makes it harder maybe to attack Labour because it's a case if you can't say you know that that our policies are unaffordable when you're talking about about these these increased spending plans. And you know one example yesterday at the CBI, the boss's organisation, Boris Johnson postponed a cut in corporation tax, which which goes against what the Tories have been saying for the last few years, because they say, actually, if you increase in, in, cut corporation tax, it increases tax revenues. So it's very contradictory. But I think what Jamie Corbyn has to do when they go for how are you going to scratch tuition fees, public ownership and all the rest of it, which they're going to fund by increasing taxes on the top 5%, is to go full-blown this is one of the wealthiest countries that has ever existed. We have all the wealth and all the talent to overcome every challenge and injustice. And that wealth is being created by you, the British people, and you through your hard graft. But that wealth is ending up in the bank accounts of a tiny, tiny elite. And instead, that should be going into the NHS. That should be going into housing. That should be going to education to unlock the potential of, of the next generation and with it, the country. You know, that should be going on the decaying infrastructure that's holding this country back. Do you see what I mean? I just think he should go for full-blown, you know, sometimes the left, I think, is this expression, turns up to a knife fight with a calculator. Mm-hmm. And we we saw how Vote Leave, who obviously are playing a key role in this Tory campaign, they, they won on the basis of emotion and, and from the heart take back control whilst the official Remain campaign was going, oh, look at the economy. <laughs> and, um, and and we saw it as well with Donald Trump, you know, make America great again, quite an empowering slogan in its own perverse way. And and, and that's what Labour, Labour's not going to start just, you know, obviously Labour will cost its manifesto. Um, John McDonnell, he's a more austere shadow chancellor than he's sometimes giving credit for. Um, he's quite obsessed about costings. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go for that. But they have to go for that emotional case, don't they? They have to go for, you know, why are we being held back? This is a, this country has so much potential. It's been held back. We need to modernise it. We need to bring it into the future. It's been held back, even though it's got all the wealth to do all these things. I mean, I agree with that. And I would also say, you know, that, like, yes... Boris Johnson is going to say, your plans are pie in the sky, blah, blah, blah. But I think that Jeremy should, Jeremy Corbyn, should directly challenge the audience and say, you know, we've had 10 years of this government in charge now. 10 years. Is your life better? Are you earning more money? Are you more hopeful about your children's futures? Do you feel happier? Are things going well for you? Because... We know that the majority of people in this country would answer that question, no, things are not better, things are worse. And this is a famous thing that Ronald Reagan in 1980, when he was in the presidential election against Jimmy Carter, he said, ask yourself this one question, do you feel better off than four years ago? And the reason why he asked that question, the reason why it's so famous, is because he knew the answer was no. And we know the answer is no. We know the answer is no to that question for the majority of people in this country. And that's why I think... Jeremy Corbyn should just say, you know, this is all noise. Here is the question. Is your life better? Are you happier? Are you more successful? Are you more hopeful about your children's futures? And I think, um, you know, we all, he should also challenge the audience 
to think about when we're being told, oh, these plans are unrealistic. You can't have this. Well, who is telling us that? It's what, like four newspaper owners. It's like business people who are earning millions, billions off the current system. It's the MPs who pay them Mm -hmm. through donors, donations. You know, these are the people who are saying, um, it's a very small amount of people with very big platforms and they're the ones who are saying things can't change. And of course they would say that because it benefits them to keep things the way they are. So I would also such to say that he should point that out. And on that, he, what he needs to do is nail on that, that Boris Johnson is not a, um, a new government because that's what he's trying to do, Boris Johnson. He's trying to disassociate himself from the last 10 years of Tory rule and go, that was a different government. I'm someone new completely now. So he needs to pin on him that he's actually, you know, he, he's got his fingerprints all over the crime. He's got, you know... He, he's just another Tory. Exactly. that Because that's what Boris Johnson tries to avoid. That's, you know, part of his shtick is like, he's not a Tory, he's Boris Johnson. He's Boris, obviously. Mm. Um, and, and so it's very important that actually, you know, whether it be, you know, all the cuts... Um, you know, everything from, you know, because, you know, I meet people in quite desperate circumstances um, who who will talk about voting conservative and you kind of think, oh, my word. But they they they're not thinking this is the same government as as the one that existed over the last nine years, which, of course, it is. So he needs to pin on Boris Johnson that actually he's not some new guy. He's Boris Johnson, a conservative politician, a Tory politician. Uh, who supported all of the policies which landed us in this mess and your family in the in in the situation you're in and 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 you know you deserve so much better and the government and no government is just about one person you know it's not just Boris Johnson it's everybody around him um we're all part of the last 10 years as well you know it's a political party that we vote for it's not one person and I know that it's often portrayed as a personality contest and like and obviously having the debate between the two leaders exacerbates the feeling that it's a personality contest between two people. But the fact is that this, you know, this is a party of pe- people who made these choices and they're still there, all of them who made the choices. Finally then, so what do you think the kind of baseline of success is? Because part of what he has to do is the Lib Dems vote has gone down and there will be a Tory majority if, if if people have voted Labour in 2017, vote for Lib Dems in this election in marginal seats. It's just a fact. People don't like being told this often, but it's just a fact. He does need to talk to those people. And he also needs to address the weaknesses that he's often, that they try and pin on him. Is he, you know, and it's over Brexit, principally weak and decisive because of the attempt to breach a compromise. So what, what does success look like? Success looks like the viewer switching off the TV, having a better idea of who Jeremy Corbyn is and what he represents and what Britain will look like under his premiership. Because I think at the moment, people feel unclear on that, which I don't think is all his fault. But I do think that is the case. And so for me, success means that people come away feeling like, I understand that person a lot more now. And I don't, I'm, you know, I think it's okay that people don't agree with everything that Jeremy Corbyn believes, but I think they need to understand what he's doing, who he is and why he does the things that he does and why he believes the things that he believes. And I think that's, that's to me is what success looks like, that they feel that he is a more understandable, relatable and approachable person at the end of the debate than they did 
at the beginning. No pressure, Jeremy Corbyn. This podcast will tomorrow will 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 give an assessment of this debate and what the impact has been and uh, whether it could be partly a game changer. Uh, so we'll see how many people actually watch it and the impact it will have. But there's a long way ahead. Ellie, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to go to the pub now, aren't we? We are going to go to the pub. We're going to go to the pub and drink ourselves silly to forget the pain. No, that's just, <laughs> just, just hanging out with some mates. So that's actually not nothing to do with the election. That's just Owen's general exit. That's how lines. she gets through having to hang out with me. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's got to have some kind of sedation. Some miserable experience. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, everyone. We'll be back. We'll be back, will we? Uh, not me and Ellie. We should be me and Ellie. I'll be back tomorrow, I think, with someone else who is another absolute top-notch guest uh, to go over the debate. But time is ticking. If you want to change the result, everyone's got to get stuck in. No pressure to you either. Uh, but I will see you or speak to you tomorrow. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks. Election Daily is produced by the cheerful team, including Jeff Lloyd, Emma Corsham, Joe Kenyon and Joel Pearce, with music from Pete Frazier. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.